beautiful people, and welcome back to Living Color Abroad. I'm your host, Andrew Rodriguez. And in this episode, you'll be listening to Ina, who is living abroad in China. And Ina will be discussing what it's like to be a third culture kid, or TCK. Simply put, a third culture kid is someone who has lived a significant amount of years outside of their parents' culture or country, in Ina's case, Indonesia. And also someone who has lived a significant amount of years during their childhood outside of the country they were born in, in Ina's case, Austria. <laughs> so as you can see already, simply put, but it's a very complex lifestyle and upbringing that Ina has, and she's going to break it down for us. And with that said, Ina's going to discuss the challenges of having to uproot her life every couple of years due to her dad's opposition as a diplomat, some of her favorite countries that she has lived in, which culture she resonates most with and least with, the preconceived notions that people have for her because of her lifestyle, and finally, how being a TCK or third culture kid has shaped her into the person she is today. Hope you enjoy. This is A Living Color Abroad. All right, Ina, welcome to In Living Color Abroad. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I'm so glad to have you on. Ina, please tell our listeners, what time is it in uh, China right now? All right. It is 12.02 in Shenzhen, China. And it is Saturday, correct? It is Saturday. <laughs> and it is 10... I'm in the future. <laughs> <laughs> you are in the future. Please let us know what happens. Um, it is Friday night here, 10 p.m. in Costa Rica. It's probably one of the most interesting aspects of the show is talking to people, obviously, from all over the world. But the time differences are literally insane. But let's get right to it. So please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, Ina. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. And um, as I said before, I literally binge listen to your shows. <laughs> it was so nice. Yeah, really. Like... Uh, uh, apart from people being from everywhere and like physically in different places right now, but there's so many commonalities and there's so many things that I resonated with um, in my experience that unfortunately I don't actually get to hear it in my real life um, environment, you know? So um, why that is? Well, um, and then I'll share a little bit about myself then. Um, so as I mentioned before, um, um, in our conversation before, I am a third, well, I consider myself a third culture kid because I think that explains more easily um, what my background is like. Um, my passport is Indonesian. However, I was born in Austria and moved all over the place, like I moved to five different continents um, growing up. And then now I'm currently in China. So when people ask me where I'm from or like where's home, it's it's not easy to answer. Right. So let's start off from obviously this episode be literally titled Third Culture Kids. And many people listening are like, what the hell is that? So you gave us a little bit of insight. So but I want to read I want to use a working definition that full disclosure is from sure. Wikipedia, Wikipedia, but it is pretty accurate from what I've read on Third Culture Kids. And obviously, Ina, you being one and you identify as what you can tell me if this suits you. OK, third culture kids are as follows, are people who are raised in a culture other than their parents or the culture of their country of nationality and also live in a different environment during their formative years, their childhood years. Would you agree with this definition? Well, I mean, there's 
it's you know it's it's hard to put like labels on things but so far i mean there's like a global citizen and there's like um a citizen of the world or whatever that is i mean i feel like at least third culture kid like when i say that and now it's like more widely known it's easier for people to understand rather than me explaining like my life experience right, <laughs> so right. it, it i think it in and in and an easier uh, way to understand like my experience right. and a lot of uh, who are experiencing it right now too so let's break that down where, where were you born okay um so i was born in austria vienna mm-hmm. and then so like my mom literally i was like in her stomach when she flew to uh, austria <laughs> um yeah so my my dad is was a diplomat and you know they've been moving around for i'm I'm the fifth child yes fifth child so um a lot of people uh sisters before me were moving around as well so i was like the, the last child to be born um abroad and then after that we moved to indonesia for a year and then um, to Toronto, Canada for a few years, and then to New York for a few years. Shout out New York. I know that you, that's... <laughs> Thank you for that. I was going to do it myself, but you did it for me, so I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then afterwards, we moved to Tunisia. So I went to an international school in Tunisia, Tunis. Um, so that's by the Mediterranean. Um, and then after that, I moved to... Back to Indonesia for my last year of high school. Mm. So and that was interesting. And where are your parents from? They are Indonesian. Okay, they're they're Indonesian, and you said your dad is a diplomat, correct? Correct. And what did your mom do? Or does uh, she? Uh, she was working when she met my dad, um, as a like in the government. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, she, she obviously she can't like keep that job while my dad is moving all over the place every three, four years. Right. Well, ideally together. So, yeah. So she was um, a busy mom and, you know, she took care of a lot of things um, within the Indonesian community or with other uh, diplomatic wives or spouses. So, yeah, she was just busy being a mom of five children abroad. <laughs> right. That sounds and, tough. And, and you said, you, yeah, yeah. So what would you, when did you start noticing um, that your upbringing was different or you could relate to others in the way they were also brought up? When do you start to realize like, wow, this, this kind of way of living is probably not the norm? Um, let me see. I think... As a child, like, the thing is, when we moved to Toronto, um, thankfully, like, I, I went to a public school, but, the, I mean, the, the student body was so diverse anyway. You know, I had friends who were Lebanese and Indian, and, you know, so I can I didn't really feel different, and I felt welcome, but um, I did notice that, like, oh, I'm moving in and moving out, and then other people were just, like, staying, <laughs> or they, you know. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, okay. So, and then, so I guess that's when I realized that, you know, oh, people can actually stay for a longer time in one place. And, you know, not everybody moves around as much as my family does. Interesting. So, what, I mean, one thing that in like, obviously, I, I work at an international school and I always wonder what happens to kids that see 
that their friends are leaving and then new kids come and they just accept them. Like, okay, here's a, here's a Johnny who replaced Johnny B, <laughs> you know, Johnny A replaced Johnny B. So what was it for you when you knew you had to leave school? It was like, you, you know, it's coming up and your dad is like, all right, we're going to X now. Uh, say bye to your friends. What was that? What was that like for you growing up to always have to have what? that change, that constant change? Yeah, well, it was hard. It was hard, especially in your formative years. You know, you just want to play and make friends and, like, learn. I was a bit of a geek, like, as in I loved learning, and I still (laughs) love learning, you know? And then you connect with the teachers and whatever, and it takes time to make friends, you know? And it's it's relative from one country to another country. Um, But then, you know, like, just coming into a whole different world as you're growing up, like, in, okay, so, like, as I mentioned before, in Toronto, I was very diverse, but when I was in Scarsdale, New York, and then um, there were only, like, I don't know, five other um, Asian kids from different, you know, backgrounds, and then there's, like, two African Americans in, like, a school of a few hundred um, kids who are mostly predominantly Jewish, or a minority was also Catholic or Protestant, you know, so, I mean, not that that, you know, um, you know, people don't really talk about their faiths, but like, you know, just as an idea, like I would have uh, invitations to go to Bat Misfits, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, it was interesting, right. but it was hard because, you know, as a teenager and at that time it was the 90s, right? We didn't really have these terms. We didn't have the term like diversity or inclusion. We didn't have that kind of, you know, um, language to talk about identity, right? It was either right. like you're the majority or you're the minority. Right. So and that was it. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah. No nuance. <laughs> no, no. And then just like we had, I remember that there was this activity about like globalization and we had to kind of like choose, um, just like not blindly choose, but we had to pick a card from like this bowl and then it would tell you which country you're going to experience, like a first world, second world, or third world country. And then that would base, uh, that would be the basis for what kind of food you would get at the cafeteria. Wow. <laughs> so, and then that kind of like made me feel, oh, wow. And then knowing that Indonesia is a third world country, it made me feel sad, kind of like, but then in a way that's reality, but then it's just like, hmm, you know, it, it, it was, it was interesting to experience. Let's just say that. So, so I, so you mentioned you're one of five, right? And you're the youngest? Yes, I am. Right, so I'm. A, I also come from a big family. I'm one of six. Um, the youngest out of the, well, out of the four, I have four older brothers and one little sister. So also, I was. I'm. I'm the fifth one, like you. Uh, so one thing uh, in growing uh, up in a big family. <laughs> well, one thing growing up in a big family is you know you get to see examples ahead of you, right? You get to see people mess up and do things right, and then kind of you know like, like I want to do that. I don't want to do this. So given the fact that your siblings went through, you know, also move with you. Do you take anything from them and like the way they dealt with change that you use to like help yourself? Um, yes and no, because, you know, because again, you know, being the fifth child as well, you would, you know, that, you know, the elder uh, kids would have been in college already, say. So, you know, they're busy with their and they're living through a different kind of life than you are. And then uh, there's like a four five year distance distance between myself and the uh sister before me so they i could see um their tendencies however they tended to if i may say um hang out with other indonesians Mm. you know in the you know 
and the community. So like where was my sister connected with other Indonesians in in New York, I tended to like hang out with my friends from school who were from di- diverse backgrounds. So in, in a way, yes, I saw how they, you know, how they um, acclimated themselves to the different countries and wherever we lived in. But I didn't really feel like my approach was similar, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that totally, that totally makes sense. I mean, and also given yeah. the fact that you said you were, like you said, you were in, you were in the womb when you moved. You weren't even <laughs> yeah. when you went to Austria. So I could totally <laughs> understand that. Um, and okay, obviously, given the work that your dad does, he's obviously dealt with this for many, many years. How do you think your dad and your mom prepared you for these changes? What did they do to kind of help you transition from X country to Y country? Um, well, you know, I was born in Austria and then, you know, the daily language like outside of our house was um, German, but with a, with a certain Austrian kind of um so it's a bit different like austrian language and german is a little bit different so i you know some of my first words like my second language was in austrian german (laughs) and then so um i guess when we moved to indonesia for a year so usually we moved to indonesia for like half year or a year before we moved somewhere else and then so they um try to like introduced me to English so that when I arrived in uh, Toronto, at least I wouldn't be too lost. (laughs) Although, I mean, (laughs) I think that those little things and then food wise, like say we had Nutella in Austria. So (laughs) when we went to Indonesia, you know, they try to have Nutella for us at least. Or I remember my mom, like, so in Indonesia at that time, this is like, um, late eighties. Okay. Now like my age is a little bit disclosed. (laughs) Yeah, so, like, say hamburgers weren't very common at that time. It wasn't that accessible at that time in Indonesia. Then my mom would make tempeh burger, which is, like, tempeh, you know, like, soy right. um, soy product. And so she would make that for us. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so how many languages do you speak? Um, I mean, okay. So my fluency wouldn't be that great in all of the languages that I've learned, but... Um, and I must say that I still question my ability in the English language because I think it, there's like something that happened as I grew up and it's, it gets confusing because at home we spoke Bahasa, Bahasa Indonesia. And then, cause, and my mom would make it like very clear that we have to speak Indonesian. Like we can't speak English to her or my dad. So, um, and then I learned English along the way too. So I don't feel like I'm good in either language actually <laughs> uh, so so you say you're okay so you say you're not good but you obviously you speak english well i mean <laughs> just as good as i do yeah. right? <laughs> well, um, so you speak english I, you speak uh, what's the language again in indonesia you said what was it called bahasa, bahasa actually bahasa. means language that's how people call bahasa because in indonesia there's thousands of dialects ah, okay. and like is one of them so when i okay just a, a little bit of, of a so not a flashback, but a flash forward, let me say. So, like, I went to college in Indonesia, where it was a city where most of the people spoke Sundanese. So I learned a bit of that language when I went there. So Sundanese is a dialect that I learned as well. And I'm currently, like, learning a bit of Chinese. And, um, also, like, and German, I, I don't know, I forgot a lot of German words, but... 
Um, I learned French growing up for six years, like living in Canada and uh, New York and mm-hmm. and uh, Tunis. So I learned French, but I never really used it. So except for that one time that I dated a Tunisian. <laughs> Where it worked in your favor. <laughs> yeah, for a little bit. So you say you yeah. you so you would say you speak uh, Bahasa and Indonesian and uh, English. Like those are your main languages. Yeah. Okay. But. More like compared to the other languages, okay. I think are the languages that I most. Fair enough. Let's, let's go back with. a little bit to what you said about your mom saying you cannot speak to us in a language other than uh, Indonesian Bahasa. Why was that? What yeah. was the rationale behind that that she gave you? Well, yeah, I think that's like the way that she wanted to have a sense of like, um, uh, I guess for us to understand that like Indonesia is still our country, like as in it's still a part of our culture. And that's what she wanted to instill in us from a very young age. So and she was very adamant about that, mm. as well as my dad. So quite nationalist. I mean, they they diss certain things about Indonesia. And, you know, it can be really funny when they, you know, um, you know, say things about a certain Indonesian uh, cult, uh, culture or common or habits that they really don't like. But mm-hmm. yeah, they really made it a point for us to have pride in um, our heritage as well. So that was obviously the language that was an important part to, for you to maintain uh, that heritage and that knowledge about where your parents come from, right? So speaking yeah. about that, obviously going back to the topic of third culture kids, would you say there's a particular culture that you resonate more with or you identify more with? Um, I don't know. I really don't know. If, but I feel like it's more of a... Um, I think it's this 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 global identity that I resonate more with. Like, so I think it's as as, I, as mentioned in some of the TCK literature that I've looked into. I actually used it as part of my um, investigation and my uh, teacher certification. So I looked into that identity because a lot of our students, or my students at least, are TCKs, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I think I resonate more with people who. Um, who have experienced something like this and that became like kind of like a kind of culture if that makes sense mm-hmm. so, but not a specific culture so like it's it's a mix of things you know all right so right I, and also i also read the same thing that, that's what my literally my next question was i have it written down <laughs> Do you feel like a global citizen? That was my follow-up question depending yeah. on how you answer so you do feel like a global citizen of sorts well, yes and no, because again, I think, um, you know, when I'm listening to um, other people's experiences in your podcast, and also what I mentioned um, in Danao Tanu's book, she, so her book, Growing Up in Transit, shout out to Danao, <laughs> she, um, it's the first and only book where structure, structural racism is addressed uh, in within like international schools. So even though like a lot of schools say, oh yeah, we have like global citizenship is an important thing and being a global, um, you know, a, a person with like local awareness, but uh, a global mindset is important. But then the curriculum, the teachers, you know, it's, it's a very Western centric uh, kind of environment. So say like when I was a, a, a local teacher, so I experienced being in Indonesia, you know, graduated from an Indonesian university, like, 
and one of the universities that's really hard to get into, I wasn't considered a global citizen and that affected a lot of things. That affected my pay, that affected my uh, workload and that's when it hit me. It's like, hmm. Mm. So, uh, yeah. (laughs) That was hard for my mind to digest that um, I wasn't a global citizen because of my passport and how I looked. That's deep. That's really deep. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned this thing about the westernization of curriculum and what this what international schools say they represent, but what it is in actuality. So the structural uh, racism that you talk about or hegemony. Um, it's funny. It's actually part of my dissertation research. Is about is a little bit about that. Uh, <laughs> I'm interested in that as well. Of of how school international schools are very westernized, but again, what the, what they're selling is internationalism, right? And international mindsets, international mindedness, all these nice sounding words, but like you said, what it is. And again, it's so crazy hearing your experience saying you went to work somewhere and you were not considered a global citizen. So these things that were of value to you, or at least were, were, you know, were presented to you, given your travels as a student, as a child, right? From parents that are, you know, dad is a diplomat. And then you go into the workforce, depending on the context you're in, they're like, no, you're just you said you're you're this. You're not what you thought you were. You're this instead. Like that's kind of wild. <laughs> Just to hear that yeah. from someone's perspective is really really crazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's uh, okay. So so <laughs> so let's go into because again that's a lot, and I mean we will have to have like a three hour episode to unpack everything, but we can't. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but I have some other, I have some other questions here that are of interest to me. What would you say that you've experienced that others have not? generally speaking right people that are not whatever tck's or whatnot oh like growing up as a tck right um right well i you know when people i think say like okay a lot of my colleagues are from different countries say uh, actually to be honest a lot of my colleagues are from western quote countries mm-hmm. and then say they would grow up at one place or i have chinese colleagues who've grown up here most of their lives and then they've grown uh, go, go, gone abroad as an adult or as like a college student doing like a uh, like a study transfer exchange thing right mm-hmm. whereas i've done like kind of like the opposite but not like i've i think like other than you know, me learning about other countries through secondary resources, I've experienced other countries mm-hmm. in a prime. So I think it made me um, kind of like connect with people in a different way, if that makes sense, because, you know, these aren't these aren't people that I knew from like books or like learning about their culture, but I got to befriend, especially when I was in Tunisia. So we only had like six or nine kids per class. We, I went to the American Carpenter School of Tunis. And, you know, my friends were from Argentina, Nigeria. Um, they were African-American. They were Korean-American. They were German. So I got to meet these people and like befriend them. And I, I didn't really, you know, like it, it was it was a different experience. And, and you know, I, I got to learn more about our commonalities and, and as human beings, you know, other than people. Um, like getting to know people in a in a more of a surface level or or like a stereotypic uh, based on their stereotype, if that makes sense. Right, 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 right. I mean, no, I mean, I can relate to that a lot because when I would first got to know my students at the school that I work at, 
you know, I would ask them, they've been more places than I've been in my entire life. And I'm 31 years old and they're like eight. So <laughs> it's like, so I definitely understand. And then like you mentioned this whole thing and we're going we're gonna to hit on this topic in a little bit. But this whole thing of like, oh, where you're from. Kids that are third culture kids have a very difficult time with that question. In general, most people that have any kind of heritage that's not from where they were born. For example, right, like I'm born in the United States, born and raised in New York. My parents are from the Dominican Republic. So what I first say is like, yeah, I'm from New York, but I say I have Dominican heritage. So see, I say that here in Costa Rica because I'm speaking Spanish, but they realize that my dialect is definitely not from the country. So like where you're from, like I'm from New York, my parents are Dominican. So I always have to like, you know, qualify why I'm speaking Spanish at the level that I'm able to, right? So in your instance, being that you're Asian, you have fluency in English, but you live predominantly elsewhere. How do you even go about answering the question when someone asks, where are you from? What do you say, Ina? <laughs> okay. Well, initially, I said that I was Indonesian, but then they would have, like, preconceptions of me. Like, oh, your English is so good. Mm. Or, oh, I've been to Bali. And I'm like, great. <laughs> you know? and like, I haven't traveled as much in, as, in Indonesia as I w- would have wanted to. So it's like, oh, great. You visited this and this and this. Great. You know? So in the end, um, I just say that I've growing up different places but i have an indonesian passport i think lately i think that has been my go-to and how does that how does does that i I mean this might be but i'm interested how does that make you feel and you saying that you've kind of you know modified in the way you describe yourself What, what would you credit that to uh well i mean there's it's so many layers actually i kind of feel like um it's, it's complex, but I don't know how to make this simple. Um, <laughs> in a way, like I was I was talking with my um, American friend who is, you know, uh, worked abroad a lot. And she's like, oh, that, but then that makes you really cool. Like, I, I wish I could be so complex as you are. You know, because <laughs> like, uh, sometimes people might feel like, oh, we're trying to seem sophisticated by saying that, you know, we're we I've grown grown up in different countries. But yeah. You know, I don't know. It's 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 hard for me to answer that question. Right, right, right. I'm only it's only a hard questions on this podcast. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> no, but I I mean it's so interesting again. And you talk about these these uh, preconceived notions, right? Because of course, if you tell anyone, any any you know person, yeah, I was I was you know I grew up I was in Toronto, I was in Austria, I was in people are like whoa, that's amazing. Because again, they're thinking like this is an international person, and when you think of individuals that are quote unquote international you deem these people as being sophisticated. And the person has never left, you know, their their one mile radius or whatever, you know what I mean, of where they were born. And there's kind of, that's that's a misnomer, I would say. It's not necessarily true. Like, sure, it's nice to be able to travel and to have the experiences that you've had, Mm-mm. right? But doesn't necessarily mean that because this person, due to their own privilege because of their parents, they have a more sophisticated view. It could be that they do, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's okay because they've been X, Y, and Z. They most definitely do. And I think that's why people, I can say like myself, that don't have the experience that you have, um, I can be like, wow, that is really cool. But I'm like, but you said, but it's very complex and it can be difficult to identify with things and with people and with places, right? And I think that's not something that (laughs) I personally would have wished that on myself. Like, I'm happy that I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm this and that. 
I got it figured out. Bam. There it is. <laughs> There's my identity, right? Versus someone yeah. like that's a, a TCK or whatever is like, wait, it's a lot of layers there. It's very complex. And you said the context, depending on where you are, that could change on how you even describe yourself. So yeah, it's it's a lot. I don't know if you want to make a point to that, but... <laughs> yeah. No, actually, it's, it's, it, it's not been so great a lot of times because people think that I'm a snob. <laughs> or that I'm and then the thing is Indonesia is a third world country and you know even though my dad was a diplomat maybe he can save uh, money abroad you know getting paid in dollars but then when we're in Indonesia like uh, one of the reasons why my mom would feed us tempeh burgers was because um, he would be paid local salary in Indonesia and things are expensive and it's hard to feed five children on a local salary so people don't realize that and you know my my mom like my dad has passed away but my mom is like living on um a pension from my dad and it's like i don't know like a hundred bucks you know a hundred bucks per month so people don't realize how you know well it's it's it is complex and there's so many layers to it and you know i've lived in like um alleyways before in college you know because it's it's more um it's more sustainable so it's like i'm not living a fancy life all the time and then and then oh then when they get to know me further then they're like oh okay so yeah it's it's a lot of it's complex and this is why we need your voice on this podcast you know i'm glad you took the time No, I mean, and again, and you even kind of crushed my own uh, preconceived notions and bias towards people that have this experience that I don't have. Because again, you usually think of people that come from a privileged lifestyle. But like you said, it's more complex than that. It's not just as easy, yeah, I have the privilege of living this lifestyle. Mm-hmm. But what does that mean in the future? What that looks like for me? What does my life look like? And um, I think it's, so now, we're, oh man, I wish I could talk to you forever. But, <laughs> okay, I have a question. So l- let's just go through what would you say are a few pros and cons of being a TCK? If you could, if you could give me two of each, that'd be that'd be good. <laughs> okay, <laughs> pros. Um, I'm still in touch with some of my friends since like uh, uh, from high school or middle school, and you know because we've gone through that kind of experience. She's now she's Argentinian. Um, shout out to Anna, and she's uh, now in um, Boston. So. You know, because of, um, you know, technology, like we could WhatsApp and we could video call. So it's awesome to stay connected with people who I grew up with, who I really um, connected with and keep in touch with them. So I've had um, made profound friendships because of, um, you know, my experience being a TCK Mm -hmm. with people who are, you know, far away from me and who's from different backgrounds. So, you know, friendships that came out of that. Oh, passion for food. Oh, my God. (laughs) I've had food. So, like, I've had the um, privilege of, like, growing up with all sorts of food. I'm currently plant-based, vegan, vegetarian. Um, I still have a passion for bread. So that's why I'm saying that I'm not... (laughs) vegan because you know having grown up in like say austria and then like the the strudel and the bread and so like sometimes in china like if there's bread in front of me and i don't know if there's milk in it or whatever and i've tried to ask in chinese and then i'm not really sure i'm like okay it's bread i have to my body (laughs) so food passion for food um the setbacks is well that because it's hard to say like i don't really have a home 
you know, like, I mean, I can say that, you know, Indonesia is dear to me. Right now, Shenzhen is my home, you know, but I, I can't really relate with people who've grown up somewhere since, you know, they were little or where they were born and have like a very strong affinity to that place and friends from when they were little, you know, and seeing mm-hmm. how things change and how people grow, um, you know, from that community. Like, I don't have that. So that's right. a thing that is not great about being a TCK. And um, the second thing, well, specifically about being an Asian TCK is that it, how we look and our passport directly affects so many aspects of life. So um, that's not the great thing about being an Asian TCK in specific. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because one thing, if you've listened to my other episodes, and I speak to mostly, I would say, uh, mostly American expats or foreigners, whatever you want to call call us, is that this is real privilege, especially people of color, that they experience what the blue passport, what I've called, what people have called the blue passport privilege, right? Having that eagle on on you gives you a lot of privilege. Yeah. And I experienced that firsthand here in Costa Rica, uh, mm-hmm. going back, coming here. It, it's it's really wild to kind of experience that in a way that you that I've never really experienced it before. Like, sure, when you, when you travel as a tourist, you also experience that. But when you live somewhere and you experience it, is a whole nother level of like, whoa, what is this? Yeah. What is this thing I've never yeah. experienced in before in my life? Like you said, given the fact that because your passport is from Indonesia, that has its own disadvantages. So I think that's very interesting. So now let's talk a little bit, because you mentioned this and in your message to me, and it really stuck with me, how you're a teacher now in Shenzhen, China, right? Mm-hmm. Funny enough, I actually had a, that was about the first offer I had was to go abroad to Shenzhen, China. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I turned it down. I might have been working with you. Might have been my colleague. <laughs> really? <laughs> we'll talk offline which school it was. I I think I might have forgot. But anyway. <laughs> but anywho, so you said you're you're considered a local there, right? Oh yeah, sometimes I mean, because especially since we we wear masks all the time here, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, like my eyes are showing, but then I mean my eyes are a little bit bigger. <laughs> I don't know. This is not to sound racist or something, <laughs> but then they're like, like because I I'm still Asian, so sometimes uh, actually it happens more so in Shanghai when I was living there that they would directly you know speak to me in um, Chinese or and then I mean I'm learning the language, but then you know. It's not an easy language to learn. Mm. And then I try to speak back and they're like, huh? And then it takes them some time to process that. And then they like look at my features with further scrutiny and then they realize, oh, okay, you're not local. And then it's like, okay, awkward mm. pause. <laughs> <laughs> Very awkward pause. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so so <laughs> you're not, obviously you're an adult now. What would you say, what, what, I don't want to go too deep into Shenzhen China because of course we will have the time, but what makes, mm-hmm. obviously besides the fact that you work there, but what makes Shenzhen China a place for you to call home, at least for the moment? Um, so Shenzhen has only existed for the past 40 years. Okay. And so like one of their slogans, I forgot exactly what the, what um, per, word per word, but it's something like, oh, everybody who comes here is a local. Hmm. So, yeah, because um, everybody in Shenzhen came from somewhere else. 
Mm. It was a fishing town. So yes, there might have been people like 40 years ago that were here, but now it's like the Silicon Valley of China. It's like, it's it's where, you know, like a lot of the Apple offices are. It's where Huawei is at. And it's like the tech place. Right. Um, Baidu or Tencent is here. So people from all over China have migrated here and um, it makes it like comforting in a way to know that people like even the local Chinese are not really local but mm. they make they're now local in a city with non-locals you know that right, that right, makes sense right. I like how it's warm here as well because um, even though I was born in Austria you know I lived in Toronto Canada and like you know New York is, it's, you know, when it's cold, it's cold. <laughs> but then, I don't know, my Asian body likes the warmth. I don't know about you. I don't know how you... I do like the warmth. My Caribbean nature yeah. me definitely likes the warmth. My skin, like, my skin is better here, you know. It's not like... <laughs> looking when in the winter. So I like the weather and, you know, it's by the beach and or the bay and the vegetation is more tropical looking. So I like that. Like my body likes that more. So, yeah. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Ina, we're going to the last segment of the podcast. Um, mm-hmm. There might have to be a part two to this because there's so many questions I still have yet to ask you, but we just don't have the time, unfortunately. But it's okay. So <laughs> lightning round yeah. segments. Um, whatever comes, the first thing that comes to your mind, if you listen to my podcast, you obviously know I do this. (laughs) So, all right, here we go. You ready? I'm ready as can be. All right. (laughs) Which place that you've lived in do you have the fondest memories of outside of Indonesia? Uh, I think it would be Tunisia, Tunis, Tunisia. Why is that? Give me a couple of reasons to why. Yeah, so because as I said before, my friends were literally from everywhere, you know, and I was able to really connect with them because we had to be friends with each other because we were only like six or nine people in cl- in one class. So I really connected with them and we had amazing Mediterranean food, like local food <laughs> around it, like fresh <laughs> bread, harissa and, you know, the uh, olive oil and like the kind of cuisine and um even though it might not be such an exciting city for teenagers especially but i think that experience and uh, i had an amazing um social studies teacher who i still keep in touch with who really that's awesome uh, feel like um we're family you know we're a family we're like a un family and we're you know from all over the place but we we didn't feel like that our differences prohibited us from prohibited us from connecting to each other in a in a deeper way. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. Which place do you feel least connected to that you've lived in? <sighs> okay. Okay. Right. So um, I feel like Scarsdale, New York, was uh, <laughs> was hard for me to live in growing up. Um, however, when I visited Full disclosure, City, I don't even know where Scarsdale is in New York. I'm assuming it's like super upset. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, I really appreciated New York City, but living in the suburbs was a bit hard for me as a teenager because, you know, I, there weren't a lot of people who looked like me and then, um, People, people can be mean. Teenagers can be mean. Let's just say that. That is true. That is a very, as a fact. 
Yeah, because, you know, like, it, I was just trying to navigate, like, the social strata. And then, I mean, there were people even from my friends who told me to bully others, you know. Wow. And I would literally see kids, like, throwing food to other kids' tables or heads and stuff. And it was just so weird to see all of that, you know, just, like, lack of humanity and compassion. I mean, I know they're teenagers, but still, it's just, it was an interesting experience. Let's just see that. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. Where would you want to live next? Um, so since I, okay, China's really strict in terms of tra travel regulations. So I've been like binge watching um, travel shows or like living <laughs> abroad kind of shows on um, YouTube and listening to your channel as well. Appreciate that. <laughs> so, uh, so like I've really been into more of like the Central Asian areas like um Azerbaijan and Georgia and that area because I feel like or like Turkey because I feel like that area has such a mix of cultures and and so many different things that make them really interesting. Awesome. Final, final question. You know, this has been a great conversation. How has being a TCK shaped you into the person that you are today? Um, I feel like in terms of my profession, I feel like it enables me to diversify the curriculum. I think that's very powerful, even to be physically an, like an Asian international teacher in my community. I think that's empowering for other people as well. So seeing, you know, my students see people who look like them other than, sorry, the janitor. So I think, you know, like... With all due respect to any kind of profession, but I feel like it's so powerful to see people of different um, backgrounds in any kind of profession to in the education community, you know? So I feel like um, it brings a lot of um, depth and perspective to what I do right now. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Ina. I most definitely did. Um, I'm so glad she reached out to me. This is a topic that I was actually really interested in. Um, TCKs, third culture kids, is actually one that I've not that I've personally done research in, but we've had to read it on in my master's program because they make up a significant portion of students at international schools. So it was just great to hear from an adult <laughs> and how their life is now. So there's a lot, as you can, as you heard, there's a lot of intricacies and complexities in in uh what she has described and as as you also heard like you know i had some notions of these people are just uppity individuals of society that have very lots of privilege but you can see in in different contexts that privilege is not there and she has faced her own form of you know discrimination because of which country she's from and which passport she holds and i think there, there's such a interesting complex thing that like i said I, I would need three hours to speak to her <laughs> to really hear i just we just scratched the surface on a, on these complexities when it comes to living abroad and different uh identities that we take that we uh that we mold ourselves into whether through choice or being forced to right depending on on the institutions in which we work in so this is very very complex but also a very interesting topic that i'm glad that Ina was able to shed some light on so i'm grateful for Ina for coming on um, yeah, on next week's episode, I can't believe I actually had these episodes planned now. It's been a while. So I can actually say what's going to happen next week. On next week's episode, you'll be hearing from Julio and Hannah. 
two of my former colleagues and good friends of mine that live in Costa Rica that are now living in Brazil. In Brazil. And I'm excited because I have a little one. So we're going to talk about what it's like to be raising a family and all that good stuff. And they have, might have actually a third culture kid of their own. So uh, it's, it's really going to be a fun one. I can't wait to record that episode. So please be on the lookout for that episode next week. And as always, if you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Follow me on Spotify and any of your other favorite stream platforms. See you next week. I mean it this time. <laughs> this is A Living Color Abroad. Peace.